Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We are back again after a brilliant show yesterday. Anthony, it's great to have you on. And Chris, it's great to have you on. They're going to talk bears. Like you said, just kind of off air there. We finally have a little bit of football back and it's it's good to get some of those new story stories, even though one story that came out yesterday kind of made Anthony a little bit depressed in, in Daz Newsom. But how are you getting on, Chris? You know, man, it, you said it, I, I, what I said earlier, it's just, uh, I love baseball, I, I've been a big baseball guy, but it's nice to get that little bit of football back in our lives in June, so it's good to be out there on the field yesterday watching them practice, look, it, it's OTAs, it's not much, it, it's underwhelming, uh, it's nothing near training camp level or anything, to like, you, you know, it's not really football, but it's, they got the helmets on, they're throwing the ball around, they're doing stuff, it's just, it's good to have that back in our lives. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's just good to kind of have the feeling that it's coming closer to the season, even though we're still quite far away, especially after kind of last off season where you didn't really get much, like no, there was no fans there in training camp. You guys were pretty much on Zoom the whole time. So what was it like to finally be back and to be able to watch them? I know you guys kind of were able to go to some of the rookie camp, right? But it's, it's a little bit different when you see some of those veterans out there again. Yeah, it, it's still not normal times in terms of access, what we usually have. You know, we're far away. You're still not doing the interviews. We're OTAs. You're doing one-on-ones, that kind of thing. So it, it, it's not quite normal, but it, it's at least being out there. Uh, you know, they're, they're, well, you said there's no off-season program last year. Um, and it's just there's a lot of energy around this team. I mean, look, at the, the field selection changed everything. It brought a different – Air to Chicago and probably all the way to Ireland around the Bears. It's just it changed the entire dynamic around what you thought of this team where this offseason was so doomy and gloomy. It, nobody really felt good. And then they pull off this trade. It's like, wow. I mean, now you're thinking something more of this team. I and mean, it changes the perception of the Bears organization. So there's new energy now, and, and it's it's exciting to be around. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've mentioned it on a few of our previous shows that – it was a complete 180 where everybody in the fan base wanted to go up to Hallis Hall with their kind of pitchfork <laughs> ready. And <laughs> you saw kind of the reaction when Andy Dalton got signed versus what happened on draft night, where just the kind of craziness of the Bears moving up. Like we were saying it for weeks before the show that Justin Fields is a guy you need to go up for. What was your reaction when the Bears actually made that move? Because it's something that I guess doesn't really happen that often that the guy that most of Chicago wanted, the Bears actually went up and got. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's – look, it, it was exciting. I, I, there's no doubt about it. Like, it, it played out perfectly. And you started to think, like – so I was doing our show on the score that night, and you, you started to kind of play it out and, and you know, talk about it throughout the process. Okay, uh, it's Lance instead of Fields to the Niners at uh, to the Niners at three. Okay, Falcons go Pitts, not a quarterback. And then the trickle down from there. And once you got past the Panthers picking number eight overall, it was starting to seem a little bit more realistic. Uh, I had spoken with a good source earlier that night who believed the Bears weren't going to be making a big trade up. And I still have not really heard whether there was some kind of parameters, whether they were able to make that move into the top 10 or whether the 11 just proved to be the sweet spot. But um, it, it all worked out. Uh, the guy they wanted, the guy I would have argued before the draft and certainly now, is that he was the second-best quarterback in this class. I mean, uh, I'd put him right there with Zach Wilson. I, I think they're fairly even in caliber. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the best guy. He looks like he could be, you know, that next superstar quarterback. But the Bears got their guy, and, and it's it's really – it's something where this guy, like, he knows he's a star. Like, he's got that it factor to him. You sense when, he, when you're around him, when you see him, when you hear him, when, especially when he's on the field. He just – he has an air of confidence around him that's different. And you feel really good about what it can be for Chicago. Yeah, I think that that's the kind of interesting part. Going back to the draft, Chris, it was something that's kind of struck me since. Um, everyone, everyone in Chicago was looking towards Aaron Rodgers and what was going on that day in Green Bay. But do you think that that might have had an in, in, uh, impact in Denver? Because suddenly Denver, who were potentially looking at a QB, we, we, we were speaking to a guy, a, a big Denver fan just before the draft, and he was saying, yeah, they want fields, I want fields. And you think that kind of changed Denver's approach uh, going into it, which allowed then Justin Fields to fall to 11 and allowed Chicago to get him. Do you think that might have played anything to it? I'd say probably not. Just knowing Vic Fangio and the way that he's building with his defense, I, 
Look, I mean, this is it's a tough job for Vic because Denver's had a lot of turnover in that head coaching spot. Obviously, Vic has the faith of John Elway still, but he's also a coach who's got a defense that's ready to win. They might be one of the best defenses in the league this year. Uh, so they had to make that move for defense with Patrick Sertan. They also still like uh, Drew Locke. I, I think they really feel confident about him still based on what I've heard. And uh, he's kind of a slow build, a developmental prospect. And that's why Bridgewater was brought in there too, which they got for pennies on the dollars. I, I really like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good fit for them. Uh, he can operate that offense well, but I, I mean, I, I also don't know how realistic the Aaron Rodgers thing was for Denver going into that night. And obviously once he got past the Denver pick, then you kind of threw the Rodgers thing. Who knows where that, that's just kind of on the back burner now, but uh, there was certainly a lot of intrigue around that Denver pick in Chicago, whether it involved Rodgers or whether it involved Fields dropping down to the bears even further. So once they went corner instead of quarterback, it, it changed everything for the bears. Yeah, I guess one thing to kind of finish the kind of draft side of this was the story that's kind of been coming out over the last week and a half about the Minnesota Vikings being very interested <laughs> in, in Justin Fields. It, it, it's a weird one, and it goes to show how lucky that the Bears were, that the Vikings were kind of talking to teams from whatever it was, seven or eight, to try and move up. But they didn't want to kind of part ways with a future first-round pick. And I just keep going back to the whole trading away Yannick and Gakwe halfway through the season and having to give up kind of a draft pick for that as well. It just seems like everything that happened leading up to that night just it fell perfectly for the Bears where we can probably say in a lot of other years that they're usually the ones that don't get the look handed to them. <laughs> and this is the first time in a long time that they have. But to a certain extent, I guess we'll put the the two the first two rounds on this, both trading up for Justin Fields and then coming back around and trading up for Tevin Jenkins, who a lot of people wanted the Bears to pick at number 20. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Jenkins thing was just an icing on the cake after the Fields pick. You know, it just worked out perfectly. I, look, I, I think that's the guy the Bears would have taken at 20 if Fields went off the board at you know to the Niners at three or Falcons at four or wherever it may have been. If Fields was gone, that thing's out the window. I don't know if they're making the bold move up for Mac Jones. I, I know they liked him, but I don't know if they loved him enough to trade up to the 11th pick or wherever it may have been. Um, and I think New, New England was not going to let him get away. So uh, there was that dynamic, and it, I think it probably could have been Tevin Jenkins in, in that number 20 spot. Uh, good for Ryan Pace. Go get your guy. Like uh, It's funny because going into that draft, everybody's saying, don't be bold. Don't make that damn move you always do where you're trading everything and – going all in on somebody, but you can't argue against this. You can't argue against Justin Fields because there's no none of the red flags. There's none of the ifs or buts or like you have with Mitch Trubisky. Like Justin Fields is ready right now. He, he, he's there. He's what you want for a quarterback prospect coming into the league. Started at the highest level, uh, a proven winner, the ultimate leader. Uh, he's got the athleticism. He's got a hell of an arm. Everything you hear about him is great. There's really no major red flags where Trubisky, and not to knock on him, he's gone, he's in Buffalo, it, it didn't work out, so be it. But look, it's a guy who had 13 starts under his belt coming out of college. I mean, he, he you know, he wasn't there competing in the national championship game. He was in the Sun Bowl. Like, you want a guy who's on the national championship stage who elevates his team the way that Justin Fields did. Uh, I keep coming back to the fact that this dude petitioned the Big Ten to say, let us play. Like, that just says so much about Justin Fields to me, the way that he loves football. I thought it was hilarious and blasphemous, really, that he kept hearing before the draft that there's questions about his work ethic, his love of the game. This dude would do anything to play football. Like, uh, you couldn't have blamed him for opting out of last year, focusing on the draft. So he was going to be a high draft pick regardless. This dude wanted to play so badly because he felt like he had a chance to win. So, uh, yeah, you feel really good about this guy's character and his makeup. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I keep going back and if the Big Ten didn't play, I, I, I wonder would Justin Fields have been picked number two? <laughs> and it's it's one of those yeah. that, again, it's just, it's just it's the look that the Bears got. But also, it's like you said, Justin Fields just you – said you said it yourself, that he just is that leader that – the Bears really, really need because, especially offensively, because we haven't had it in a very long time. And it every time I hear Matt Nagy talk about Justin Fields, I just see the kind of complete opposite of what we had in Mitch Trubisky. So I just go back to 
kind of his press conference that he had yesterday after after practice and where he was just mentioning where if i can't remember who asked the question but it was if he makes a mistake what is he like and he just says that he's calm and he just moves on to the next play he doesn't get too high he doesn't get too low and that's something we always heard about mitch trubisky that he didn't do that when he did make a, a poor play that the next couple of plays he was still thinking about kind of the mistake that he made and seeing kind of Justin Fields be that calm figure. That's what you want in your quarterback. I guess the big question that people are going to ask, and you mentioned it yourself that he's, he is one of those guys that's ready. He's played at the big stage throughout his entire career. Do you think that this quarterback competition that we're going to have between Dalton and, and Justin Fields, that it's going to be a fair competition. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. It, it's it's hard to answer that one directly, just because I don't know the dynamic. They haven't really they haven't called it a competition yet, uh, and I, I'm going to take them at their word that it, it's it's not at that point. But I think by training camp it will be a competition. It, yeah. uh, I understand what they're doing with this. Like I, I do. I know there's been a lot of why are they could name a Dalton the starter this and that. Don't worry about it now. It's June third. Like you know they said it on April thirtieth, uh, April 29th. It's April 29th. There's no reason to say this guy is is in the mix. That he's competing because you're setting up the prospect where he doesn't win the battle, where he loses to Andy Dalton. There's no reason to say this is a competition. Let the best man win, because this dude doesn't even got into the building before uh, before a few weeks ago, and now I guess a month ago. He hadn't learned the playbook once they drafted him. He spent the last month doing so to the point where he's guiding teammates, saying, "No, this is the route you're supposed to run." Like he was leading players in rookie minicamp, which was a, what two weeks after he was drafted, saying, "This is how you're supposed to run this play." It just shows he gets it. Like he, he's bright as hell. He's got exactly what you want in terms of absorbing and learning the offense. I have no reason to believe that or to doubt that he's not going to be ready by training camp. At that point, I'd say open up the competition. I, I think he's checked all the boxes you want in terms of absorbing, uh, displaying his readiness in the practice field, and getting out there against that first-team defense, leading a second-team offense the right way, making those kind of plays. Then you say it's open. Let the best man win. I, I, I'm still not ruling out that Justin Fields could be the starter for week one. I know it's Andy Dalton's job for now, but this is a much different situation. The, the, the two scenarios you keep hearing about is – what they did in 17 with Trubisky to Glennon, that awkward transition. And then, of course, what Nagy was a part of in Kansas City with the transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. It's apples to oranges with both. Like, Justin Fields should be ready by training camp. Andy Dalton, I don't think, is a bad quarterback. I don't think he kind of gets a bad rap because of what happened in Dallas last year. But uh, I, I would trust Andy Dalton as well in this spot. But I think it's going to be an open competition closer toward week one. I think what's interesting as well is, is Andy Dalton was in the press conference, I think it was yesterday or today, I remember. And Andy Dalton was, was kind of quizzed on what he sees himself. And he gave the, the perfect answer of, you know, I'm going to be a mentor and I'm going to try and help the kid. And it's brilliant to have him in the room. But if you're Andy Dalton, honestly, if you're Andy Dalton and you were draft night and everyone was telling you this could be possible and suddenly Justin Fields comes into the room, what do you think that will do to someone like an Andy Dalton? Will that be seen as, I'm going to show them and I'm going to prove that he can stay behind me for the whole season? Or do you see Andy Dalton where it's like, okay, I'm going to be here for five or six games. I'm going to give it absolutely everything. Which do you think you might see? Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine with it. This dude's a veteran. Like, he's been through it. I mean, he, he was there, you know, at, at the end of that run in Cincinnati where you knew they were transitioning. He didn't let it affect him. He's a guy who's been in the league now going into his 11th year. Like he's a veteran. He, it, think about like where Glennon was in '17. How how horrible that must have felt. Where you finally get a team that believes in you. Like they name you the starter the moment they sign you. They give you the big deal. I know he was compensated well, but it still has to really hurt when you know they make that move up. You're totally caught off guard at the draft party, no less, and they draft your replacement. Like Dalton knew they were going to be taking a quarterback. Uh, he, I don't know if he recognized the scenario of getting somebody like Fields. Uh, or that they'd be making that trade up, but he knew it was coming. Like he wasn't surprised about it. Um, and, and I liked his answer yesterday, saying that it doesn't change his mindset. That whatever he was ready for this, and all he knows is that he's on a one-year deal and he's got something to prove. So uh, I, I respect his his kind of uh, unfazed de uh, demeanor here. And yeah, you know, when, when he signed with the Bears, uh, he kind of brushed off the negative reaction in Chicago because everybody was thinking. Russell Wilson or whatever else it may have been. He wasn't faced by that either. He's been around the league. 
Uh, this dude's got a great reputation in terms of being a teammate and being a pro. So I think he's going to handle it all the right way. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a couple of questions that people have kind of put in as well. So the first one here is when the Bears say that Andy Dalton is QB1, do you really believe what they're saying? I, I guess you've kind of you've kind of answered it earlier, but in terms of we expect it to probably be a quarterback competition, do you, but do you believe right now when they say Andy is kind of the starter right now, do you think that they're being honest with the fan base when they say that? They are because he's getting those number one reps and, you know, and uh, Justin Fields is getting the two reps. So I, I believe it. Um, but like I said before, look, Nagy was a part of that situation in Kansas City where Patrick Mahomes came in and Alex Smith was the incumbent. Patrick Mahomes, for as great as he is now, a generational quarterback, was a raw talent when he came into the league. He started, you know, a couple seasons at Texas Tech. Uh, he didn't win a ton of games there. Uh, and, and he was a guy who needed that red shirt here. Justin Fields doesn't need a redshirt here. Like, he's ready. Like, he's checked all the boxes. He's played at the highest level, uh, led the team on a championship stage. I have no reason to doubt Justin Fields is going to be ready. I certainly have no reason to doubt he's going to be able to absorb the playbook and do everything he needs to do uh, to lead this offense from week one. So I, I know the, what the Bears are saying. I, I understand it, but it's a totally different situation. You know, Andy Dalton doesn't have the – uh, long-standing reputation and, and the uh, local credibility that Alex Smith had in Kansas City. And Justin Fields is far beyond where Patrick Mahomes was in terms of rookie readiness, like in June 3rd of 17, where Patrick Mahomes was, or even at week 17 of 17. He started that game and he showed out well in that, that one start he had that season, but he wasn't ready midseason to take on that role. Like, he's a generational talent now, but he needed every bit of that redshirt year. It's different with Justin Fields. He just he doesn't need that right now. Yeah, it's it's different situations after all. I guess one of the things is that we are going to be we focus so much on the offense now because especially with the OTAs where a lot of the defensive players not showing up for the kind of on the field portion. But I guess from what you were able to see yesterday on when you were watching, did anybody on offense kind of stand out to you that maybe maybe if it's a year two player, they just looked a little bit different because we've seen that there's been some of the guys that we've seen like Jermaine Effetti looks a little bit different in terms of his body shape. You see the same way where they talked about Larry Borum. Is there anybody that kind of stood out for you on offense? Marquise Goodwin, like that did flies. I mean, you just <laughs> notice his speed. And it's hard to truly notice speed when you're watching these practices, but like his speed pops. Like he just flies down the field. You saw him multiple times yesterday. Um, he just strikes me as a Matt Nagy receiver, like that take the top off the defense kind of receiver. That guy you line up in the slot alongside Allen Robinson or whatever look you want, you're trying to be in a safety one way or another, you get that matchup and use that speed to take advantage in a matchup. Like he's just a Matt Nagy type receiver. Or like, you know, the Andy Reid type offense, what you see there, like he can be that kind of speed threat, that burner in this offense. And uh, and, and Demir Bird, I, I, I didn't notice him as much yesterday. But he's the same kind of makeup. He's that same type of receiver as Goodwin is, that kind of uh, that, that big speed threat that you want. So uh, I, definitely Marquise Goodwin was that guy. And then uh, more of a broader uh, sense from yesterday, but I, I really believe when they talk about competition on the O-line, you hear that term all the time. You kind of roll your eyes, just coach speak, whatever. But, like, they were rotating these guys pretty good. Like, you know, you, you could sense that they wanted to get a look at it. They got versatility out through uh, So Daniel's able to slide – Center to guard, um, uh, Elijah Wilkinson, the newcomer, a free agent signing out of Denver. He's uh, going to you know, slide a little bit between left tackle, left guard. He's got versatility, played on the right side as well. Um, so you're, you sense, I, I mean, it can go on and on, but like you sense that they're really going to give a look at their best five guys and rotate up until some point in training camp, get a look at all the best scenarios in play. Um, I mean, I think there's probably eight or nine guys in, pl in play for those five spots, and uh, I mean – I was uh, even. I, I think Fetty probably right now is the only guy you pencil in as a as a starter at that spot. Just a quick one going back when you said about Goodwin, Chris. I think it was really interesting because it's something that myself and Kieran have talked about would be Anthony Miller. So I'm really interested to see how Anthony Miller goes in the next couple of months going into the season because I think he's on a really short leash um, with the coaches. How did he go? Or did you, was there any impression you'd have got from? Because he put up on Twitter an amazing catch that he took over his head from Justin Phillips. Justin Fields, but was there anything else? Did, did he stand out or did he go the other way? Was there any drop passes or, any, or catches or anything like that? 
Well, he was there. Like that that's the starters being there. Like, you know, I, and I understand Allen Robinson not showing up. A lot of the key veterans, that's the right. Anthony Miller has no right to not show up. So it's good to see him there. Uh, he has to make an impression on the coaches. Like there's no question about it. He's been called out by his own coaches and they brought in his replacements. Like that's what Mike Furry was trying to say a month ago is that like Marquise Goodwin is here to replace Anthony Miller. Demir Bird, uh, Daz Newsom was obviously you hope, you hope he's ready for training camp. But like they brought in Anthony Miller's replacements, Devon Wims, Riley Ridley. Like those guys had their chance. Uh, and that's not to say they won't make the roster per se, but like they got to earn it. Like they got to show up every damn day, be a pro, as, as Mike Furry said, and prove their spot on the roster. So uh, I wouldn't make much of OTA performance per se, but that's not really what the coaches are looking for from Anthony Miller, anyway. It's like it, it's all about the, you know the presence. Uh, you know, being active in these meetings, showing a better wherewithal and knowledge of the playbook. Like Anthony Miller's not known the entire playbook throughout the course of his career. And you, you see it on the field, like just to the naked eye, running the wrong route or being, you know, moved somewhere pre-snap because he's not in the right spot. Like, and, and the coaches obviously see it every day in these meeting rooms. Like in, in the eyes of Mike Furry, that is a guy who's not taking everything in and doing what he needs to do to be that steady pro. Like Marquise Goodwin's a steady pro. Like he's going to be on this roster. Uh, and he's going to ch- really challenge Anthony Miller to be on that spot. Um, I mean, I listed those three guys, Miller, Wims, and Ridley. I- I'd say two of them are probably not on the roster for week one. Like, they got to earn it. it- it's going to be a tough competition now. But they put these guys on the spot. So, uh, you know, show up every day. Show that you're, you know, you're know, you in the right place mentally, that you're locked in, that you're on your P's and Q's, and, and go from there. Yeah, it's an interesting one, especially when you do mention with Miller and Wims, who I guess a lot of people expected them both not to be on the team. But it is an it is an interesting one to kind of see the trajectory of a, a lot of these wide receivers. Because like you said, what Mike Ferry was trying to say is that we brought guys in in this kind of third wide receiver position to see whoever's best takes it i think a lot of people expect riley ridley probably not to make it considering it's now his third year hasn't got substantial playing time doesn't play on special teams it's gonna be difficult unless he kind of can impress more one one area that i did want to mention was we did mention that there's not there wasn't a lot of starters on defense roquan smith was kind of the lone one i know there was desmond trufant i believe as well What's your opinion on that? Because I I understand that it's I, I understand that it's voluntary. But when you have guys that are at Hallis Hall doing kind of the weightlifting, they're in all the Zoom meetings, but yet they don't go to kind of the on the field practice, which like you said, it's not exactly very tough. Like they're not hitting each other. It's pretty like Matt Nagy said, it's pretty much against air. So What's your opinion on this? Because I think at the start, I was at the same that a lot of people have that, oh, it's voluntary, it doesn't really matter. But then when you have the guys that are there anyway, because they mentioned like Eddie Goldman was in the building doing all, they were at meetings, they were together. But like, I don't see the point of going to all kind of your weightlifting and all your kind of that training. But then when you go onto the field, just kind of going home and and not showing up for that portion. Yeah, I wouldn't make much of it to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, it's just it's a union sticking point. Um, it's something that's going to be happening around the league. I mean, you want your guys there following you know a disappointing end of the season and really disappointing last two seasons as a whole. Uh, I it, I think I think you commend Roquan Smith for being there more than you kind of uh, down than you uh, chastise some of these key players for for not being there. It just it's a union deal. I, I think Matt Nagy just kind of understands that they're taking, you know, the advice of, I mean, it's, it's established veterans. Like if it's a young guy trying to make the roster, you should be there. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. I don't think there's any player under three years of tenure who wasn't there uh, off the top of my head. Like the guys who should be there were there. The guys who you'd expect to be there weren't there. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, training camp's a different story yet. The veteran mini camp in a few weeks, which is mandatory. So I mean, you want to see them there, but so be it, I guess. Yeah, I guess one of the other big stories that came out was the fact that Daz Newsom had gotten injured, that he broke his collarbone recently. I guess to go on from kind of rookie camp to, to now, how was he looking? Because there was a lot of there was a lot of stories that he was getting a pretty decent rapport with Justin Fields, and it's unfortunate that he's gotten injured now. 
in our show yesterday we were saying that it's probably the best time to get injured because at least you're back for training camp and you're not missing any of that action, hopefully. Um, so what were your opinions of Daz Newsom coming up to this point and then kind of the unfortunate news that he did break his collarbone? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd preface by saying I'd only seen him once in uh, in rookie minicamp, so it was hard to get you know too much of a feel, but I liked him coming out of the draft. I liked him you know, in that spot in the sixth round, and <laughs> I really felt like they needed to add – some depth at receiver and some competition like we talked about before. So um, it was a good pick. It, it, it's a good fit. And, and you said it. I mean, it, the timetable is promising. We're June 3rd. Like, you know, he's got time. He's got the eight weeks, whatever the recovery is, to get ready. Maybe he's missing, you know, the first week or two of training camp. I mean, it's you got to play catch up a bit. But, uh, look, it, I mean, we mentioned it. it. It's a crowded receiver group as it is. So, like, um, it, it's going to be tough to earn that spot to play a key role right out of the gates. They like him long-term. They like his ability. He seems to fit their offense well. He's got a great head on his shoulders overall. So uh, I think he's a great fit for this team. It, it's a tough setback, but, you know, it sounds kind of like a fluke injury too, one of those weird things where, you know, going up to make a catch, you just land on your arm like that. So it happens. Yeah. Uh, you're better in June than August or September having that. Just a quick one on follow-up on Daz. Kieran didn't mention I'm the biggest fanboy of Daz I'll go. Uh, literally, I am massive fanboy. Uh, when he was doing his first uh, Q&A, he asked about a Chicago restaurant. Um, were you in the room? And if so, if you weren't in the room, what answer would you have given to him? If you were in the room, did you give him an answer? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I actually, I was not on that call, so I missed the excitement of that one. Um, goodness. I mean, there's some good – I love a good steak. There's some good steak spots, so – um, I mean, Chicago cuts certainly up there. Um, you know, you got that rookie deal, so you can, you can swing around <laughs> a little bit with the, uh, Chicago cut. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a great question. I, I feel like I should have a good answer on it. I really don't like, and I don't know. Just, I, I, I need to come back to the better one. Just to follow up on that, in all seriousness, and it's, I know you're going, but in all seriousness, how good was that question response from a rookie to, to you reporters? From a reporter perspective, you're, 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 I know you probably heard about it afterwards, but how good a question, how good a statement did that make from him as a personality in the in the locker room to the, to the reporter crew? I love it. Yeah, I, it, it, I know, it, I mean, a lot of these guys can be shy. It's tough. You know, you're a rookie coming to the league and, you know, Chicago's got a big media group. It's not like some of these smaller market teams where you got two or three beat reporters like, you got a herd of us here. So um, I, I like the fact that he's just comfortable in his own skin. One of those guys who, you know, willing to kind of uh, just be himself. And it says a lot about the player and the person, you know, somebody who isn't shy, who isn't afraid, who does. I mean, I know it's just, you know, it's a zoom call. It's not like you're like sweating at bolts or anything, but it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable setting for a lot of people. And it shows a guy who's very comfortable. So I like that way. It, it stood out to be in receivers yet. Yeah, you have to be, confident you have to be you know that, that kind of uh personality you have to be type a all the way so uh it was a good first impression for sure yeah the other one that kind of stuck out to me in terms of the rookies and it kind of goes to one of the questions that somebody has put in here was tevin jenkins saying that he's never seen a skyscraper before <laughs> and so one thing I do, I do hope that when we get to hear from Tevin again is that somebody asks him what his favorite skyscraper is in Chicago because that's one that we, we'd be missing a beat there if somebody didn't say that. But I guess what are your opinions on, on Tevin? Because coming into the league, having to directly play left tackle, I think I, I may be in more of the minority that thinks that he can do that fairly seamlessly because he did it in, in college while he didn't do it at, like every single game. He was really playing right tackle because they were forced to kind of play him there and the other tackle was more, he just preferred playing on the left side. So what are your opinions on Tevin Jenkins? Do you think that he can have a pretty good impact in year one for the Bears? I'm with you. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. It was, it was out of necessity for his team. It was something that he did really kind of uh, selflessly. You know, you're better as a prospect playing left tackle in college. He did that for the betterment of his team. So uh, I give it up for him. It, it says a lot about him is the kind of teammate that you want. Uh, in terms of capabilities, yeah, he's going to be playing left tackle. He was lining up there yesterday in practice. Uh, that's where they want to play him. Like That's why they released Charles Leno, because Tevin Jenkins is probably more likely than not going to be your starting left tackle this year. I mean, Elijah Wilkinson is going to compete against him. They're not going to just hand Tevin the job, but 
I've no reason to doubt his readiness. And thing to consider with him, guys, is that he's really only been playing football like at a quote-unquote high level for two years. Like, I mean, I know he was at the Oklahoma State program for four years, but his own coaches and he himself said he didn't quite – like the light didn't go off until entering his junior year. And that's when he realized, I can be an ass kicker. I can be that guy who goes into the league and dominates for years. Uh, Mike Gundy said it straight up. This is a dude who's going to be ascending. He's a guy who's going to keep getting better and better. And he's already pretty damn good. Like, yeah. you feel really strong about what he can be. He's just a mauler in that position. But he's truly an arrow pointing up type guy. Like, uh, Gundy said he can be a guy who's the best tackle in this class. Think about all the tackles, like how deep this tackle class was. That's a pretty big statement. Uh, he even said, and this isn't a coach that's like back in his own guy. He said uh, that uh, Tevin Akins is ahead of where Russell Okung was when Okung was going into the league, what, 2011, I think it was? Like, he's not being around the bush here. Mike Gundy doesn't beat around the bush. He, he's speaking honestly on this one. Uh, I, I truly believe that Tevin Jenkins is going to be one heck of a tackle for the Bears. Yeah, I, I just like some of the players where he basically pancakes guys into the sidelines. It's I know we saw it against Joseph aside from Texas. It's it's one of the kind of plays that I think everybody shows. I, I guess the the last question that we have here from um, one of the guys listening goes: Do you think the main issue for Fields being is it being personally ready for Week One, or Matt Nagy properly preparing the playbook, team, etc. to complement Fields' strengths? I guess to put on that one as well. I've, I've asked this question before is, do you think that it's it's most probable that the Bears, even if Justin Fields isn't starting week one, the playbook needs to be prepared for when Justin Fields is starting and not for just Andy Dalton? Yeah, it, it, that's a really good question. I, I think it's more about the readiness of Justin Fields than it is the Bears' readiness for him. Like They're going to have a playbook for him. And Honestly, I don't think it'll be, it'll be too different than the one for Dalton, to be completely honest. It's, I know they're different players. Fields has off-the-chart athleticism. It's really just going to be kind of expanding the pocket a little bit more and letting his athleticism take over, where obviously Dalton's not going to be a guy who's running the ball like that. I mean, it, it, that's really going to be the only difference. But I, I truly believe for the first time with Matt Nagy that they're going to have a run-heavy offense. Like, you look at the guys they brought in. Uh, first of all, Dave Montgomery, is, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, Damian Williams was a good pickup for them. Adding that as a compliment to Cohen. You got Khalil Herbert entering the mix as well. Like they built this thing up for running backs. They improved the offensive line. They started to find something last year. I mentioned the, the competition aspect, the depth that they have. Like, I think they're really going to commit to the run for the first time in Nagy's tenure. Uh, and, and whether it's Fields or Dalton starting, uh, I think they're going to have that kind of run first true identity. Uh, the other aspect involved with that is that if Fields, if Dalton's the starter week one, Fields is going to be the backup. Like he's going to yeah. be that one play away guy for the Bears. Uh, they're not going to have Foles be the backup. That Nagy even said that yesterday that Foles is the third quarterback right now. He's working with the third team. He's certainly not going to overtake Fields for the, the number two spot. So uh, I mean, it, it's just it, it's going to be an offense ready for Justin Fields. And uh, like I said, I, I don't think it's going to vary too much between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's. It's really interesting now. There's a lot of stories going to be coming out over the next couple of weeks heading towards training camp. It's been great having you on, Chris. Do you want to tell everybody where they can kind of find some of some of your work, especially for kind of these OTAs and the training camp coming up? Yeah, uh, there's my Twitter handle there, at CMA670. It's all on uh, 670thescore.com. I, I have a story today uh, which you can check out on the site about uh, Dave Montgomery and the work he did with the local speed coach here. Uh, and getting himself up to 4-4-4 speed, which is what a speed coach said. He was 4-6-3 coming out of the draft in the combine. Uh, this is a guy who's really committed himself to being a more explosive player. So I spoke with a speed coach that he's been working with the last year on what they've been doing and completely refining his running ability. So uh, you can read up on that and, and kind of get a sense of where Montgomery is going into his third year. Yeah, that's really exciting for someone that a lot of us are very high on and hope to see more from David Montgomery. But also, with like you said, this running back room is is much improved this season to the possible of Montgomery getting injured last year and having to deal with Ryan Nall come in. So it's it's been very interesting <laughs> to to see that kind of I guess change in approach both with the offensive line and the running back room. Look, thanks for joining us so much, uh, Chris. We'll definitely have you on the show again. Keep, everybody make sure you do follow because some of the work that you've put out is really really good and a lot of interesting stories so thanks so much chris thanks chris it's always fun guys take care
Take care. Okay, look, Anthony, that was it was really good having Chris on to be able to kind of talk to about some of the things that he's seen in camp. One of the things that I think I picked up on towards the end, I don't know if some of the guys in, in the chat agree, is that kind of change in mindset where we did see a big change in that running back room. Like you listen to David Montgomery yesterday and he's kind of talking about Khalil Herbert. He's talking about Damian Williams. And the one person that keeps getting kind of overlooked in, in all this is Tariq Cohen coming back. That's a, that's a huge benefit for the Bears because he was playing good football. The one thing I want to caveat this with, and I don't know if you agree, is that the one problem I have with Cohen is when he goes east-west and is not Norton set, he's not a Norton set runner where he tries to go two to the side when he just when the hole is there, he needs to hit it like David Montgomery does. How how good do you think it's gonna be now with this improved offensive line? Because regardless of if Moses actually joins, because I know that'll come down to money and if the Bears are able to do it, that I know they're interested. But I was just kind of looking at some of the depth pieces they had. Chris mentioned it. There's eight or nine guys vying for five positions. That's a great position to be in, especially compared to the last couple of seasons. And there's the point, the offensive line. There's the point to answer even on your on your Tariq Cohen conversation. That's why he had to go east-west, because it was it was the holes weren't as explosively obvious as Simon Comedy was getting. And I think a big part of that is in the middle of the middle with the likes of Mustafa and Daniels. That's a massive part of, of what we can eventually get. And then throw in Jenkins, because we don't really know what Jenkins is going to be, because he's, he's, a, he's a rookie, so we don't know. Moses would be sensational. Uh, I think the one that the, I've listened to some of the press conferences, some of the comments on some of the other shows, uh, Fetty seems to stand out a little bit. And I'm really interested, even if Moses comes in, what they do with him, because they seem to be really hot in him this year. He seems to have bulked up. He seems very, very impressive. I, I know it's a start. I know it's, it's, it's nowhere near training camp or that, but that's really interesting. The thing I love about Montgomery and what he was talking about is he basically said he doesn't have a chip. He's a boulder on his shoulder. It, it, it's that's what you want. This, our team is full of these guys who seem to all be pissed off, and the more of that, the better. I think. I think. Look, Nagy is probably the only person that gets in the way of us having a proper running game. Hopefully, he saw near the end of the season that there was there. Like even in the even in the the game against the Packers, there was there was signs. Like Montgomery went on a massive run at the start of the game. There was signs of something there. Um, I think we need to get stability in that in that offensive line quickly. Uh, I remember you mentioned it before about moving guys around and putting Daniels at guard and moving them around. I think we need to decide really quickly what, what is our best starting positions and leave it there. And if there is injuries, then you've got to swing guys that come in, of course, but let's have a solidity behind it because I think that creates it. One last thing, I don't know if you picked up on it as well. There was a lot of talk about the offense going to dinner together and being around yeah. each other and that they were waiting for some the last guy to leave training the last guy to leave the locker room before they all went to the field together I think that's really interesting how that develops as we go on because they've got so much abuse about how bad they were last year and I'm wondering if that decision has been made I don't know what you think of this the decision has been made to come together as a unit much more did you pick up on that as well? Yeah, listening to Matt Nagy yesterday that was something that really I really liked because I don't know look, we're, we're both big rugby fans as well and I've played for a long time you do get that feeling that the certain areas of the team that where they play similar positions it's actually really important to do everything together because not only is it the fact that they're waiting for each other to come out we've been told that they when they're in the weight room they're all together that when they're in kind of all these zoom meetings that they're kind of always there talking to each other that they're always on there's nobody ever missing and not only for an offensive line group that this come in, but it's a really young offensive line group. And we have guys coming in in their first season. And this is exactly what you want. You have a really hard-nosed coach, but you have a really tight-knit group. And the offensive line kind of group is normally very tight-knit anyway, because it's, it's like that for pretty much everywhere. But the fact that they're doing everything together is a really positive sign because I think, we, t- we talk about some of these guys being pissed off and it's not so much with the offensive line being pissed off. I think that they have a chip on their shoulders. They know they underperformed early last season and they're starting to see now that they can be good. They've got in more talent and there's 
like you said, there's a lot of competition because I was just going through, and yeah, Elijah Wilkinson played left tackle at times for Denver as well. So I think we do. I I completely forgot that we signed him <laughs> re- recently, yeah. and because we were talking about it on a previous show when we signed them, but like that's a, a good veteran backup. Look, I still expect him and Jenkins to be starting at left tackle. Like, there's a reason why Morgan Moses was brought in. You want more kind of depth at that tackle position, but you look at inside and. There's really for three positions. There's probably five or six players trying to get yeah. in. I know there's. I can't remember who it was in the chat. Isn't wasn't a big fan of Sam Mustafer, but like for me, I love Sam Mustafer. I think he's that kind of guy that if you go after his quarterback, he's gonna come at you, and that's you need a little bit a bit of that. Like we mentioned it, I think it was with Kalen Jones last last week, where I said you need a bit of a, a dog on on the offensive line where they're not going to take any shit. That's basically what you want. And it's something that I think we're finally getting. I guess one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up as well was, and it, it's an interesting one because we mentioned a, a couple of these yesterday and I guess anybody put, put your comments in on what you think, but what do you think are going to be the most intriguing training camp battles as we go forward? Look, I understand the quarterback position. I think everybody expects eventually just the feels will be starting at some point. But I guess in other areas of the team, what are some of the interesting camp battles that maybe it could depend on who gets kind of one of those last roster spots? I think there's some kind of sleeper guys. I think you meant, you kind of mentioned it in the O-line. I think Alex Bars is a sleeper. I think that could be one that people would be surprised about how good he is. And I think that straight away, straight away hits it. I think what we do with, with Daniels, but Mustafer, I think I, I'm totally on board with that. I think that would be that would be the other one that I would say. Tevin Jenkins, I hope, gets pressurised. Um, I think what I really want to see on Tevin Jenkins is having Mac one-on-one with him, having Quinn one-on-one with him, having people like um, Danny Chavaitin doing blitzing on him and just seeing what his reaction to that is. Because one thing that Chris was saying that he is only two years in the position. Now, I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he has everything you want. But let's make let's find that out in our training camp rather than week one, two, three, and four. And and it's and I think that's really interesting to see what what that happens. And maybe Wilkinson can be the guy that pushes on to that. But I think there's there's competition all over the place. I think Chris mentioned as well about Goodwin. I think Goodwin was someone that we kind of went, yeah, let's let's see what he's like. But everything coming out, Chris isn't the only one that's been saying it today about how, how flashy he's going to be. I think Bird will put pressure on people. I really am intrigued because I mean, we mentioned nearly every episode on what Anthony Miller happens to him. Yeah. Um, I think that's just, it's just, a, it's an intriguing story because it's just strange um, and what could potentially happen. Um, but as Bruja says, yeah, the O-line battle is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I just, I just, Alex Bars is just someone that I just would be interested to see where he fits in because I think he'll fit in somewhere. Yeah, the, one of the interesting ones actually just came in here. N- not so much in terms of the Andy Dalton, Justin Fields or the Mooney versus Miller. I think Mooney is probably above that where it's more Miller and the rest of the guys. And that's why it's a little bit disappointing that Daz got injured because like some of our commenters were saying earlier on in the chat was that while his injury may take eight weeks, it, it'll take longer because to heal a broken bone normally without even without surgery it takes six weeks um yeah. you can you can ask kind of a lot of professional athletes you usually take six weeks and then you need another four or five weeks to get your rehab in so that's where it's a little bit worrying for um for Dallas Newsom but the fact is he's going to be able to be pretty much full steam ahead for those preseason games. And that's where he needs yeah. to take advantage. And I think that's where he's going to be able to separate himself. But the interesting one here is kind of his last comment here, where it says also possibly Vildor, Thomas Graham Jr. and Duke Shelley. I think that's a really good comment. I think yeah. Vildor may not even be in this particular battle because he may be one of those guys on the outside that's kind of the backup for Desmond Trufant or Jalen Johnson because we saw Vildor play quite well, actually, on the outside where some he made some very important tackles. I think his biggest problem is just his size. He's just a little yeah. bit small. If he was taller, I think nobody would be, even be talking about him as a nickel corner, and they, we'd all be talking about him on the outside. But Thomas Graham against Duke Shelley is a really interesting one. There's, there's other guys. There's Trey Roberson is back, and there's a couple yeah. of other guys that have come in. I know 
um what what's the kid's name from Pittsburgh that they they drafted oh, him that he's yeah, been brought yeah, in yeah. as well. I know he got he got in week one or something, didn't he? Yeah. He he got he got injured in training camp last year, I believe. But there's a lot of guys for that position. So what way do you think that this could shake out? I, I still believe that if he if he plays well, I think Thomas Graham has a really good shot to be the Bears nickel corner. Maybe not week one, but by the end of the season, I think that he could be have a real shot to make it. Yeah, thing that stands out for Graham, and it's similar to what you said about Vildor, is he can tackle. He really can. And I know that should sound like, oh, well, he's a defensive player. He should be able to tackle. That's not necessarily always the case. But Graham and any of the highlights, and, and again, check out on, on the Bear Show stuff that Karen's put up, some videos on the, on the draft picks. The one on Graham Jr. is brilliant because it shows his ability to tackle and, and make, make genuine hits. Well, I think it's a really close call with Duke Shelley because I think they really like Duke Shelley. I think there's a lot of a lot that they, they regularly last year were commenting on the, on on the future of him. But Graham shouldn't have went where he went. He should have been a lot higher. And had he not sat, sat out the year before, he would have been a lot higher. And that's what makes our draft class even better because there's people like Thomas Graham Jr. who only went that low because of COVID-19 and all the restrictions that were put onto them. And we suddenly get them at that value. Because remember, we were talking on the draft draft show before the draft happened. And we were saying, well, we got four, four six-rounders. There's no way in hell we're going to have four six-rounders that we're, we're going to use some of them to get up, up to fourth and fifth. And if you look at it, the six-rounders that we did get, including Thomas Grant Jr. and Daz Newsom, there is talent there and there is real opportunity that they could be here for quite some time. I hope Thomas Graham Jr. kind of makes it through. But I wouldn't be too upset if, if Duke Shelley was our was our starter. I, I, again, it goes back to the whole, across the whole uh, franchise. There is really good cases for a lot of people. Trey Robertson is a good shout as well because of what he did in the Canadian League. And we outbid how many teams? I think it was eleven teams to get him last year, and he got injured. Um, and I think that wouldn't that's an interesting one to watch as well because again, it goes back to so many interesting cases when it comes to training camp. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one that was interesting because I believe he got he got a foot injury or something last year that just he never seemed to get over and I think he uh, people didn't even realize that he was still part of the team. So that <laughs> is a, that is an interesting one. It's I I I find that everything that's kind of coming out now is there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines that we're all going to be following. I guess we met, I mentioned kind of the defensive players kind of not being there for the OTAs. I've kind of made mine. I'm, uh, I, it's just kind of one of those that like, if you're going to all these kind of workouts, you're, you're there. It seems like it's that concerted effort not to go. And it's all about this NFL PA, which normally I'm all in favor for the players, but I'm like, the way it's kind of done is right. Look, when when a guy like Roquan Smith can be there, and he's not even on a big salary, like he's he still has one more year left of his rookie deal. He's probably going to get re-signed at the end of the season. But when he can be there because he's a guy that he just likes football, he wants to be around football. I find it a little bit strange that some of these guys didn't show up because look, I get it. Khalil Mack doesn't need to go. Akeem Hicks doesn't need to be there. Um, to be fair, like Rokon Smith, you would say he wouldn't really need need to be there. But guys that do, Danny Trevathan's one. He didn't have a great season last year. You have a new defensive coordinator. While it's an in-house appointment, Eddie Jackson, personally, I feel like he needs to be there as well. He didn't have a great season last year. And I know that Chris was mentioning that some of the younger players, but from what, from what was reported, I believe that like the likes of Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, and the likes weren't there either. So those guys, I was very surprised. And even Eddie Goldman, like you're coming back from being off for a year. And we know Eddie Goldman has had problems in terms of his weight early on in the off se- in off seasons and gets better throughout. I was just very kind of, I wasn't surprised that it happened, but I think I was surprised at the amount of defensive starters that weren't there. Also, felt very sorry for Sean Desai, um, because you know he's just getting his first shot at, at this defense, and he's getting him on the field. And I look, I know it's it's June the third. I get that, but I just thought there could have been more of them. I think you've made some very good points on, on Danny Trevathan. I think you made a very good point on Jalen Johnson as well. I'm surprised Vildar wasn't there because he's not a guarantee. Mac Mac can do what he wants, like genuinely. 
But Robert Quinn should have been there. I mean, yeah. these are guys that want to, they want to show to the city of Chicago that it means something to them. I'm not saying that they don't think it means something, but just do the do the little bits. And and it's not like it was going to be massive stuff. And they were, and they were all on the Zoom calls and all like, okay, but Sean Desai, you want to make a statement there. And look, the offense seemed to have made a statement, which is we're a unit, we're together, we're one group. And let's not forget the defense that everyone talks about near the end of the season didn't perform. Did you just did that? That's, that's the thing, though, Anthony. I keep hearing people talk about this, and they're like, "Oh, the defense will be fine. The defense, will be fine. the defense sucked towards the end of the yeah. season." Like we got it, killed. We got killed. Sorry, man. We got killed by Green Bay. It was, and everyone blamed the the defensive coordinator, and we're like, "Oh, it's it's the, it's our defensive coordinator. He's calling wrong plays." I'm sorry, man. When you can't catch the ball like like Eddie Jackson, it was straight in the sands and he doesn't get it. That is a game-changing play early on. When you've got scenarios where you are missing blocks all over the field, at the end of the day, at some point, you can't be blaming your defensive coordinator for missing a tackle. And then you also can't blame your defensive coordinator when he sees that and suddenly goes, okay, on third and nine, I'm going to go way back because I don't trust any of my guys back there to catch the ball. And Rodgers is picking you off. And it was, and that wasn't just Green Bay. It was happening in game after game. And we got lucky, as we both said, really, really a lot. We got so lucky that the four teams we played near the end were trash, and we basically played against nobody. Um, yeah, it, 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 this comment kind of is where I'm coming from. It's disappointing that only Rokon was there. The Bears need a hardworking and winning culture because that's the thing. That we keep harping on that Matt Nagy has his, uh, he's had this excellent culture. The Bears locker room is together, but this is the first time that I feel like there is that division between offense and defense. You have every offensive player. Look, I understand that uh, why Alan Robinson isn't there. He's on the franchise tag and he's not happy. Most guys on franchise tags don't show up to OTAs, so that's fine. If it was training camp, I'd be pissed off that Alan Robinson is not there, but it makes sense. So everybody else apart from him showed up to the LTAs. Defensively, though, you have, like I said, you have an, a Sean Desai coming in who wants, clearly he'll want to kind of put in some of the plays that they've been going over in some of these Zoom meetings. And the fact that the guys aren't there, it's it's a little bit, I guess, just not disturbing, but a little bit annoying, I'd say, for some of the coaches that, like I said, it's not like you're going hard. You're not even tackling at, at this point. But it go it goes to the point of where I think this is where some of these guys do not have an excuse later on to be yeah. saying that we need more time because you had the opportunity. Look, I completely get it. The OTAs are voluntary for a reason. They're basically yeah. optional workouts. But still, if you're going to be in the building for other stuff, like what's the point in not going out there for on the field stuff? Because it's pretty much the same thing. You're not re it's basically a glorified walkthrough where, okay, you're basically throwing it within air. Your defense is just kind of looking at the play that the offense is giving. You're not really tackling. So yes, things can happen. We saw with Daz Newsome, a freak injury can happen and we don't want that to happen. But still, at some point in time, you, you do need to come up. Look, the good thing is that the OTA is pretty much finished soon, and then it's the veteran mini camp where all the guys have to show up to. And I think that's where we'll know a little bit more. Look, I guess the the last kind of topic that I do want to uh, bring up is just because it was actually one of the questions um, that Dave Bears UK two mentioned. So lots of interesting information on the new guys, but what's your thought on Cole Komet? So this is what I know that Adam Johns brought up. He said that Cole Komet looked looked good, and it's definitely one where I was impressed to hear that because ideally this is the season you want Cole Komet kind of taking over for Jimmy Graham. And look, that would make sense because I always say that it's difficult for tight ends. That's why I've always said everyone was talking about Kyle Pitts where he's going to take over for Atlanta, but... We often see that in that first season, tight ends don't tend to have a big kind of, don't have a lot of production. We saw it when the Lions took Hockenberg as well, or Hawkinson, sorry, where in that first season, in terms of stats and things like that, you don't see it too much. Kolkomet had a few decent plays later on in the season. He seems to, well, Adam Johnson today said that he looked he looked impressive yesterday. It'd be interesting to see, do we get to hear from Cole Komet soon? I would imagine that he might be one of the guys, because I'd say they don't want to put out more of the rookies again. They'll probably get some of the veterans. 
So we didn't get any of the tight ends. So I'd assume we'd probably get Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet today or tomorrow. So what do you think in terms of Cole Komet? Do you, ex- do you have high expectations for him? That's a great question because everyone literally always forgets about, about Cole Komet. It's because the draft class was so good this year, people kind of forget about Cole Komet last year. I think Cole Komet has a potential to, to really hit. And, and, and John's made a great point about he was up against Roquan. I suppose he burned him. And that's great to hear because he needs to become tight end one. And I asked somebody on Twitter, I was talking about stuff about Jimmy Graham and, oh, we should never let Jimmy Graham go. And my, my, my thought, and the only reason, I, I don't think Jimmy Graham's going to be um, traded, don't get me wrong. I think the only reason I would look to do it is because then it puts everything on to Colcomet. You are our tight end one and you need to now perform because you always felt that he was behind the shadow of Jimmy Graham a little bit last year and allowed him to do that. But I think whenever we think of younger players coming through, we do forget about Cole Komet. And what a great story would be. A Chicago kid, a Bears fan, can suddenly change that. The big thing about Cole Komet is he's an amazing blocker. For a tight end, he's a proper blocker. And if we are going down the run game, and if we are looking at getting that side of the game to be done, then having someone like Cole Komet to be able to do that for you um, allows and opens up, up holes for Montgomery, etc. And I think... Finally, it's one last thing, we finally look like we're creating an offensive culture. And I know that's what Nagy always going on, but, but there's starting to be a signs of this culture. And Kokomin has got a big part to play in that. Yeah, I, I, even to go a little bit further on that, your last comment there, I feel like we're starting to see an identity for the offense. And it's something that Nagy has been asking for for two years now to try and find that identity. And this, look, this is kind of the last comment I wanted to come to before we finish up today, but where there was the Bears OTA video and Komet looks like he's put on 15 pounds of muscle when standing next to Graham. I would expect that because you have to remember, Cole Komet came in last year with no offseason because they completely wiped away the majority of the offseason. They had no preseason games and people expected a lot from him early on and it's it's difficult. So now he gets a full offseason, can build up muscle he can get his body right to where he wants the fact that he, he was able to kind of like you said burn Roquan Smith who's one of the fastest players on our defense is well, not even just on our defense in the in terms of linebackers in the NFL so like it's it's definitely positive signs he's definitely one that needs to step up he needs to be get that big kind of year one to year two improvement he's one that I'll be looking out for hopefully I don't know what the story is about fans being allowed at kind of training camp. I know there might be the odd day or two. Hope that happens because we'll get to see a little bit more. Because look, the the one thing is the Bears in terms of the access and the, the <laughs> videos that get out, it's a bit ridiculous at this point. Like I know they're doing their I know they're doing some um some show on their YouTube page later on tonight, but Again, I just expect it's going to be one of those short clips that you're not really going to get to see much. I know yesterday they put out a highlight package and it was like 55 seconds long. Yeah. Like, and at that point, there's no real like fans would prefer to be able to see it. Like we see it across the league. There's other teams that are allow their reporters. Like the Bears reporters are so far away from the play. They it needs to change because look. You need to bring your fans in. It's it's the one problem I think the Bears have had for a long time. It's like we're hiding everything from people. You haven't won since '85. Yeah, what are you exactly. doing? In saying that though, saying that though, you could be a Minnesota Vikings fan and watch Kirk Cousins throw an absolute dime to nobody in particular and get picked off, and they put it on their Twitter feed so you can go one extreme to the other. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Chicago Bears organization really needs to look at what we can finally got with our fan base all united and it's what we've been speaking about for weeks since the draft we're finally all united on one big idea we're even positive on the andy dalton trade now are andy dalton free agency because we understand why and everyone's behind this united and yet and all if you'd have watched anthony miller makes a catch above his head and you'd have thought he had the greatest Davis life and suddenly you hear that he's actually dropping some some passes but you won't see that and it, it's just a little bit a little bit, let's get it together, please, because the fans are desperate to get behind you. And if they get the fans behind you, I really think that something special is coming. That's so Andy, Anthony Miller in one in just one exactly. course of thing is that makes an unbelievable catch, but then drops a few passes because that's what we've seen throughout his career in Chicago. Hopefully we get to see a little bit more so we will be able to talk. Um, more about it guys next week we have i think we right now we have a show on saturday actually so 
we will be coming back to you then. But next week, there's a really exciting show that we have. We will be having a NFL agent on to kind of talk about that side of things. And especially throughout kind of the COVID situation, how different it was this season. So do make sure that you check that out. I think that's coming to you guys next Thursday. We will have an interview on Saturday, this Saturday as well. And possibly Anthony may have one next Saturday on, on the show. So do make sure that you do stick with us. Make sure you do subscribe over onto YouTube. Make sure you hit the notification button because I know there's a few people that have said that they missed some of the live shows because they didn't hit the notification button. So make sure that you do do that so you don't miss anything here. In terms of all the audio, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter. Make sure that you follow our show at Irish Bear Show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So make sure you follow us on all of those so you kind of get all the latest news that's coming because there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline that's coming up over the next kind of weeks and months. And we will be telling you more kind of throughout the summer, especially when there's a little bit of a downtime when the Bears don't have anything on. But until next time, make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you follow Anthony. Make sure you follow myself for all the latest news. Anthony, thank you for joining me today. Before we go, you, can, can we get a bear bear down from you? Let's go, Oaks. Bear down. There we go. All right, guys. Bear down. We see you guys on Saturday. <laughs>